Hello, welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand. As of today, I can say officially I'm now board certified in holistic nutrition. That's great. I've been working on that behind the scenes for a while, and I wanted to make sure that before the summer was over that I got my board certification. So that's another accolade that just shows that I'm doing as much work as I possibly can behind the scenes, outside of the podcast, outside of my YouTube videos, outside of my work that I'm doing in the clinic to continue to push my education further and further and make sure that I'm bringing you the absolute most impactful, most important, most research-based evidence that you can possibly hear on this podcast. So thank you for supporting me. Thanks for joining me. Today is hilarious. Justin and I cracked up so hard on this episode, harder than any podcast ever before. He made a silly comment about a bird. You'll hear it as you listen in, but uh, just such a fun, such a fun show. We're talking about amino acids, protein powders. You can check out my grass-fed whey protein powders on my store back at the website, notjustpaleo.com. Check out the store, and you can also schedule that 15-minute free call. Don't wait until you're suffering. You know, Get help now if you need it. Here's the show. Ladies and germs, it's Dr. J here. Evan, what's going on? How's it going? Dude, nice little uh, Monday here. Nice little Monday, kind of getting off a nice weekend. We're supposed to go on the boat this Saturday. Again, Lake Austin's been closed down for a month because of the uh, torrential rains down here in Austin. And it rained on Saturday when we're supposed to go out. So haven't been on the water for a while. So I'm itching to get back out this weekend, hopefully. Wow, yeah. And I've been mostly with this baby. So we've gone out to the park a couple times. But it's been pretty brutal here. We've had like heat advisories and all of that. So it's been a, a hot start to the summer so far. Wow. Well, I imagine everything's probably going pretty good on the fatherhood side. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. That's great. Good for you. Excited. Thanks. Well, what's on your agenda? Any great stories for the week here with patients you want to mention at all? Well, stories are, it seems like whether it's, um, maybe this is a biased observation because more people have symptoms, but parasites are popping up just left and right. Yeah. And it just seems like I was seeing them once a week and then twice a week, and then now it's like three, four, five times a week. And Blasto is the number one. Number one, Most yeah. common. I saw about four or five people last week with Blasto as well. I'm also seeing a lot of people coming back, and, and maybe you've seen this too, but there's this hyperplasia phenomenon, which we'll talk about in a second, where we're treating patients, let's say, for H. pylori. We treat H. pylori. We eradicate it. Symptoms improve, and then we retest, and new infection now comes to the surface. How do you explain that? Well, what I typically tell patients is, and the gut typically heals from the inside out, right? It heals from the inner inner gut lining to the outer gut wall. So infections that are burrowed in deeper into the gut wall may not show up, and, and infections that are closer to the gut surface where the food lies may show up first on these stool tests. So typically, let's say H. pylori comes back or let's say blasto comes back, it's possible that on retest, those infections are gone, and because the gut heals from inside into the inner wall, that those infections can now come to the surface because they're hiding in the crypts, the crypts of Lieberkins in the small intestine, that they can now come to the surface, and now we can register them. And it makes sense, too, because if someone's got like four or five infections, they may get 20 25% better after each infection is eradicated. So we got to just kind of keep an eye on that. And I always like to manage patients' expectations and let them know, hey, we may have a new infection on this retest. Just kind of keep that in mind. And that could be another reason why you're not 100% better yet if that is the case. Yeah, I actually saw that. I think that was three or four weeks ago, a lady that had H. pylori. And on the retest, it was gone. But then she had blasto. And it was like, whoa, 
have you done anything new? Have you eaten new food? So you necessarily don't have to have new exposures. It's already yeah. in there. It's just not registering. Yeah, the infection probably just wasn't coming to the surface enough. There wasn't enough of that antigen or for losing DNA enough of the PCR to register. So you just got to keep that in mind. And what test came up with that? That was 401H. So you're catching a lot more. And that's a, a stool antigen. So you know that's there 100%. Yep. Yeah, well, that's... That's good. I mean, typically a second round of herbs is going to be needed. And I typically tell people that have had chronic gut issues, you know, more than a year or so, they probably are going to need multiple rounds, at least two rounds of, of herbals, if not more, based on what infections come back. Right. But I think a lot of patients get freaked out when we retest and there's a new infection because they're like, did I just get it? And a lot of times that's probably not the case. It's probably something that was always there and just finally registered on the radar screen. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. on that note, I know we were talking about seeing people with these infections having malabsorption and seeing lower amino acid levels. And we use the organic acid test or the oat to kind of get a window into these protein levels. Now, we can use clinical signs and symptoms like, you know, dry skin. That can mean protein or fat, um, hair issues. Common is fingernail issues. So if we see vertical ridging in the fingernails, that can easily mean protein issues, low hydrochloric acid, malabsorption of amino acids. So that's a good clinical sign. On top of that, we use the organic acid test. Well, we'll see certain markers such as aconitate, cisaconitate. We'll see um, um, L-lactate. We'll see pyroglutamate. We'll see other amino acids like brain amino acids like picolinate or low vanillamandolate or 5-hydroxy and doloastate. I know these are all big, you know, $64,000 words, so to speak. Um, but these are markers we see on these tests. Now, you don't have to know what they are. You just have to know that they correlate to protein and amino acids. And then the question is, what do we do next? Right. So the body can make all but nine of about 20 amino acids. So nine amino acids are essential because you yeah. can only get those through diet. So people have probably heard of them. That's the histidines, the leucines, the isoleucines, the tryptophan, valines, etc. And yeah, and people can supplement with those or you can supplement with even more, just a broad spectrum. And so today you mentioned, "Hey, let's talk about protein powders because that's a really good source for people to get all of their amino acids assuming it's a good quality protein source." And if you have a parasite infection or some type of compromised digestion, then this is going to be the easy way to get these nutrients in because we're not having to rely on your good digestion. Eventually, hopefully the gut will be healthy enough and we're supporting you with enzymes and HCL if, you're, if you can tolerate it to where you're actually going to be using your bison, your lamb, your elk, whatever meats you like. Those are my favorites. And you can turn those into amino acids. But with me, I had the vertical ridges, and you saw my nails, yep. and that's when I showed up with those infections. So I've been there, done that in terms of seeing actually how this stuff affects you, and it is real, and there's a palpable change when you start working through things and you start feeling the dimmer switch come back on, meaning that those amino acids are actually doing something. 100%. And by the way, have you retested your infections yet? I haven't. I have the 401H here, and I was waiting for the GI map to arrive, which it just did. So right. I'm going to be doing the 401, and then we'll do the GI map at the same time and see what happens. So I'll let you know. I love it. I'm waiting on bated breath, Evan. Yep. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. So let's kind of go over the philosophy of amino acids and protein powders or extra protein support. So obviously we want diet to be number one, right? That's kind of the big one. We want to make sure we're eating good high quality proteins, fats, the right amount of carbohydrates, typically a combination of non-starchy veg, fruits and roots, and then good seasonings or minerals on top of that. 
Now, when people have gut issues, they may have malabsorption or compromised ability to break down these proteins into amino acids that can be absorbed. So imagine like you get this big pearl necklace, right? Your body has to basically break each pearl off. That's an amino acid. Each pearl is an amino acid. So imagine ripping through and breaking each pearl off that necklace. And imagine like if your fingers are really sore, if you have blisters all over them, it's going to be really tough to break each pearl off that necklace. So we want to make sure we add in hydrochloric acid and enzymes because that will aid our ability in cleaving and breaking these amino acids down, number one. So we want to maximize that. But we know because the digestive system is impaired, we can't just eat more protein. That's just giving the body more work a lot of times. So we do the best that we can on the diet side to provide the protein. But then next is hydrochloric acid. Once we've checked that off our list, adding in either free-form amino acids and or protein powder can be helpful because it's already broken down or hydrolyzed into its constituents so the body can just take it in and doesn't have to go through all the effort. It's like someone coming by with scissors and breaking the pearl necklace up for you versus you having to break it up with your hands. Yeah, that's a great way to, to visualize that. There's actually an article that I was just looking at this morning about Obama, and people may think that digestion is just an issue that happens if you have infections or if you have some type of like bacterial overgrowth but i mean even emotional stress like being the president i would assume that's incredibly stressful uh, this article it was from usa today it was when obama went to the doctor because he had a sore throat and i'll send it to you justin and they ended up doing a ct scan on him because they thought there was some type of inflammation going on this there or it actually was a, a cat scan it showed up normal, and so then the doctor ended up just putting him on Nexium. Oh, gosh. And said that his sore throat was likely due uh, to acid reflux. It just shows so. everyone listening here, just because you're the president or some like famous movie star or whatever, doesn't mean you have access to the most cutting-edge of healthcare. He probably has the most cutting-edge healthcare in the conventional medical world, which is great. Awesome for trauma and acute injuries, not the best for... Uh, lifelong chronic degenerative type of illnesses. That's where functional medicine really takes the cake on that. But it just shows you even someone at that highest level may still uh, not get the care uh, he needs. Yep, absolutely. So I sent you one article. That wasn't the exact one I saw, but it was just talking about how his doctor gave him a clean bill of health and then he just gave him a Nexium prescription. So here we are back to the PPIs. If people haven't listened to that episode, I think we dominated that that conversation. Uh, what was that last week? Yeah, we dominated it last week and it'll be, I mean, we're about a month ahead of everyone listening live. So I got a lot of good podcasts in store, but it just shows you, right? We went over the vicious downward spiral of these proton pump inhibitors because then you have malabsorption of protein, which then may affect mood because your neurotransmitters are made from protein. And then we have minerals that are really important for relaxation. Well, then there's your prescription for a Xanax or a benzodiazepine. Also, there may also increase your chance of osteoporosis. So there's your Boniva um, yep. prescription. And then it may also affect your cholesterol and fats for cholesterol and your hormone precursors, and there's your low libido and your Viagra or your Cialis. So you can see how this downward cycle really goes fast. And it then does. we know that the, each medication you're on has side effects, and those side effects may cause the need for more medication. So you can see it's pretty scary, the world that you, you live in when you just get thrown on whack-a-mole drugs for symptoms. And we know like there are side effects, but really when it comes to anything, there are just effects, right? There are right. effects. Some are good, some are bad. 
And in the drug world, you can see that, you know, you don't, it doesn't take much. Just listen to a drug commercial. You got the auctioneer coming out, listing out all the side effects. So we know there's a good chance that if you're on one of these meds, a side effect will pop up and you'll be playing the whack-a-mole kind of thing to help knock it back down. Yeah. So the point, and actually this piggybacks really nice. The point we're trying to make here is that if you are starting with a compromised gut, whether it is infection, bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, candida, yeast problem, or you are on a PPI, for example, or you have a history of a PPI, then your amino acids are not going to be absorbing. You're not going to be taking those from your food. And those amino acids are helpful for, they're the building blocks of protein. So if you're trying to build muscle, good luck. If you're trying to have a healthy, stable mood and you're trying to create neurotransmitters, that's going to be difficult too. So really this is a perfect conversation. If you didn't listen to the PPI episode, that really does piggyback on this because at the root of everything, it's we're big bags of fluids and hormones and amino acids that, that make up they pretty much run the show, would you say? 100%. And the more stress we're in, the more catabolic we get. And what catabolism is, or being catabolic, is breaking down faster than we're building up. Now, when we start breaking down, though, guess what tissue the body expends first? It's going to be muscle tissue. The muscle. It's the most metabolically active compound. It's the hardest to maintain, right? So it's like if you're trying to go and you're trying to save money, the first thing you may go to is you may knock down the AC. You may, you may knock it up from you know 75 to 78 because that's the first easiest place to save money. Well, it's like that with your body. Your body's going to try to save energy, and the first place it will go when it's stressed, it will knock up amino acids, and it will break it down into glucose to run your metabolic pathways via sugar. So not the best situation to be in. So number one, we want to get the sympathetic stress kind of dialed in, which, you know, we're not going to go into it. We've done hundred, we've done hundred episodes. I've done hundreds of videos on this stuff. Get the sympathetics uh, in check with diet, a healthy paleo template, sleep, stabilizing blood sugar, a healthy amount of movement, good, clean water, and avoiding pesticides and chemicals in your food and managing your emotions, whether it's with EFT or meditation or visualization or gratitude, manage your emotions from that perspective. Once you have that dialed in, that's where functional medicine just really does a great job in kind of sprouting out and getting to solutions. So on that note, the big, go ahead. I was just going to say, so you're saying here, once again, first thing first is stress. That's the undertone for all of the episodes. So the healthy adrenals you kind of alluded to, nourishing that parasympathetic mode that you're really designed for. You're really designed to be sitting under some trees, by some running water with the sound of birds around you pretty much every day, all day yeah. until you decide, okay, it's time to go hunt a bison and then you go hunt for however long and then you eat and then you're back with your tribe again. So anytime that you're stuck in the modern world and you're doing something that doesn't feel right, it's probably a modern activity. Maybe you're not built for it, but if you can change your response to that, I'm sitting in traffic, this sucks, or, oh, I'm sitting in traffic, I'm just going to listen to this podcast instead. Maybe that's how you can pull yourself out of the, the sympathetic and try to at least somewhat turn that parasympathetic balance back on. And obviously that'll be our podcast they should be listening to, right? Hopefully of so. Of course. At least one of them in the queue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely in the queue. So on that note, you really touched upon some good things. So like after this podcast, I'm going to go do a video. It's on my board, ready to go. I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes, and then I got four or five hours of patience. So like I'm trying to like I'm trying to practice you know what I preach as well. It's tough. You got to schedule it in. You got to literally put it on your calendar. It gets really hard if you have your schedule, your to-do list and those things aren't on there, they always tend to get sacrificed. Yep, right? you and I are definitely calendar Nazis. If we every time we schedule these shows together, 
we put them on both of our calendars. We have to. They get we get it done exactly. Yeah. And so, kind of crossing off our list, I'm going to just roll through the five hours, and I've actually graduated to six hours, and you'll see why because it, it really dovetails with the opening of our podcast, and I'll, I'll touch upon that in one sec. But the first hour is the remove, right? Removing all the bad foods, and that's all the bad lifestyle things as well. So when we say remove, that also means adding in the good stuff, just so we're clear on that. Second is replacing enzymes and acids and, and bile salts if need be to help us break down these foods. Third is repairing, repairing the gut lining, whether it's with collagen or amino acids and healing, soothing antimicrobial herbs like aloe or slippery elm and or things like adrenal support. Number four is removing the infection. We do it in that order because it's stressful removing the infection. So we got to prepare the body to get the infection removed. Five is re-inoculating with probiotics. And guess what six is? I'm going to go ahead and say retest. Yes. Wow. Excellent. Retest. Yes. You get like three paleo brownie points for that one. Great. I think a couple of weeks back you had some paleo demerits and now we'll give you some paleo paleo brownie points. You, you did. You gave me one demerit for some reason. I don't remember what it was for. <laughs> I forget. It was a long time ago. But uh, 6R, retest. Because of that crypt hyperplasia phenomenon, because of the fact that we may have a new infection come to the surface. And anyone that's been, let's say, gut issues longer than a year, a year plus, remember, a lot of these infections are opportunistic. So once you have one and your immune system is more compromised and you have lower hydrochloric acid levels, that's going to open you up to getting exposed to other infections down the road, whether it's at a restaurant or just you know sketchy water or just intimacy with a partner. All those things are possible vectors. Pets. I got my dog over here in my lap, Butter, and she likes to try to lick, and I try to keep that away from my face all the time. And if she gets my hands and stuff, I, I go wash them off because pets can be a really strong vector for infections too. Yeah, and I, I thought about that too, playing with a big slobbery toy. You're playing with your slobbery dog toy. And let's say you have that saliva on your hand and then you go touch your face, your nose, your mouth, et cetera. seems like an easy way to transfer something as well. Yeah, we allow no kisses in our household. I mean, it's like nice. You're kind of like, oh, man, cute dog. But nope, can't do it. Yep. So on that note, those are all the things that can lead up to these infections and then create all the malabsorption. So dovetailing, we kind of went off a little bit on a tangent, but we're back, folks amino acids. So with all these infections going on and the stress, that can drive our amino acid levels lower from a functional perspective. We talked about some clinical signs and symptoms, hair, skin, nails. That's easy. Uh, Next is going to be some of these functional tests like the organic acid test. I mentioned some of the markers. I'll I'll spare you again. And then the next step is what do we do from a a protein perspective? Well, go ahead. I was going to say, so we could break down some of the options for people depending on how severe their issues are. We may be able to do like a good grass-fed whey protein. I know you like the beef protein. We've talked about like an organic pea protein. The one you have to stay away from, I saw the other day, believe this or not, this sounds, it sounds disgusting. It sounds like mixing a grass-fed burger and a McDonald's burger. It was a whey protein and soy protein blend. Oh my gosh. Why? Why, why, why? So stay away from soy. There's a lot of genetically modified soy. It's one of the most highly genetically modified crops. Don't quote me exactly, but I believe it's something like 97% yeah. of the soy in the U.S. is GMO. That's so terrible. if it's not organic soy, you can assume that it is genetically modified. There's some issues with estrogen and soy, and there's... We, we could go on. What else would you like to say against soy and soy well, protein? Yeah, I know soy definitely is 90% of it's genetically modified. Not a big fan of that because with genetic modification comes 
extra exposure to Roundup or glyphosate. Okay, Roundup is a herbicide or a pesticide, and it works by chelating and pulling out the minerals and essentially starving the plants so they die. So if you have this Roundup-resistant gene, which right, these soybeans are like Roundup-ready, meaning they're resistant to Roundup, that means they can get exposed to it and they're okay. So Roundup goes in and it hugs away all of the all of the nutrients. Now think about it, right? If we're hugging away all these nutrients and killing all the plants around that, don't you think at some level it's going to impair nutrient absorption to some of these plants? And right. the research does conclude with that. Yeah, there was a, a study that the, I'm not sure if they did the study, if they just linked to it, the Organic Consumers Association, they just looked at, I want to say it was like 20,000 people, I'll see if I can pull it up, but 93% of people had glyphosate in their body. Yeah. I probably have some in my body, I guarantee I do. Yeah. Even though I do my best to eat 100% organic and be aware of my food sources, I mean, there's, I guarantee there's remnants in there. My neighbor just sprayed their yard with Roundup to kill all the weeds. They oh, have a gosh. little infant, and I just like, oh, I was like, oh no! But then it's like, what am I gonna say? It's already been done, right? I saw, I saw the neighbor across the street from me spraying her driveway in flip flops, just oh. psh, psh, the big sprayer all My over God. her feet. My it, God, it's, it's insane. Yeah, yeah people so, know not what they do, and it's found in uh, breast milk too. There was another. Uh, Organic Consumer Association article that they linked showing that the toxic herbicide was found in breast milk. Uh, this and it says this finding uh, contradicts industry claims that glyphosate does not accumulate in breast tissue. It definitely does. Unfortunately, breast milk contains a lot of things that are not good. Yeah, and the problem with a lot of these GMOs is not really any long-term human studies. I think the longest is three or four weeks. So you know these things accumulate, and then again, you got to also factor in you cook these things too. That denatures and changes, and some research showing it makes it even more powerful when you cook them. So you got to be careful. Um, extra pesticide exposure. The pesticides themselves can be estrogenic, which again is not good because estrogen tends to cause things to grow like tumors, right? And there's some studies showing the opposite. Again, you're not going to see a bunch of studies on it because you got a multi-billion-dollar business that's highly you know lobbying the government officials so you're not going to get you know transparency in that issue so i think until you have really long long-term studies going on there and you have some independent people looking at it it's just you're better to be safe than sorry and go with old foods because yeah i always tell my patients this old foods don't cause new disease okay old foods don't so you can always be you rather be safe than sorry and go with the old foods that have hundreds of thousands of year history of being safe yep so again, yep. the soy protein, a couple other pieces on, I'll, I'll kind of nerd out a little bit. It's lower in amino acids as well, um, lower in sulfur amino acids like methionine and lysine compared to like a whey protein. So lower in sulfur amino acids. It also does have phytoestrogens in it, which for guys, you know, with gynecomastia and, and extra, you know, the man boobs, the moobs, if you will, not going to be the best. Women that have female hormone issues and they're cycling may not be the best either because most women are already estrogen dominant. Some women who are menopausal go for it because it can help relieve hot flashes, but you get a lot of negative things. There are better ways to get the um, estrogens in there in a um, bio-identical type of way that's you know more controlled and cleaner than going to the soy. Yep, and I just sent you a picture. It was of the glyphosate use in the United States, and you can just see the U.S. map. It's in dark brown if people go to your show notes and look on 
justinhealth.com. They go to this podcast, they'll see it. But most of the United States in terms of like the Midwest, not Colorado, at least not Western Colorado, Utah, et cetera. But it's the desert southwest. You can't grow stuff out there anyway, hardly, except for California. And if you look in California, Justin, look over there where you see the that fertile area. Middle. Yeah, the middle California yeah, area. Central Valley. Probably yes. by Fresno, up by Bakersfield and such. Yeah, it's all 88% or greater use. So basically this says, oh, no, that's 88 pounds per square mile, rather, of wow. glyphosate. Wow. So then you look at the chart. There's also a chart here starting at 1992 and going up. The latest statistic they have was up to 2013. Glyphosate use is still on the rise. And right now we're up to a total of about 250 million pounds. I, I suppose this is 250 million pounds per year of glyphosate. So you got corn, soybeans, wheat, cotton, vegetables, fruits, rice, orchard and grapes, alfalfa, pasture, and hay and other crops. So this all ties into that amino acid piece though because if you're eating non-organic anything, you can assume that glyphosate has been sprayed on that food. Therefore, you're not actually going to be absorbing the amino acid. So even though you may be free and clear of infections, this still goes to show that we really have to stay away from the chemicals. And I think I talked with with you about that on the, uh, an episode when I went to the farmer's market and I was talking with some of these people about their strawberries. And they said, Evan, just because you're at the farmer's market doesn't mean that it's clean. These farmers are still spraying stuff. Unless it is certified organic, you better assume that they have sprayed something on it because it's tough to keep the bugs off the strawberries. I got some growing in the backyard. Every time it's ready to pick, I wake up the next day and it's gone. Something eats it every time. I have it covered in cages and everything. Those little wow. I think it's a bird or something flying through the little the little holes in the Just fence. Kind of using a little pecker and getting it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, I hear you on that one. But with soy though, the biggest thing with soy is it's also goitrogenic. So what's goitrogenic means? It's <laughs> okay, cut that one. Woo! All right. I'm dying here, man. I'm dying seeing you on Skype. All right, all right. Let's get real. Van Dam. Van Dam. So, like I was saying, soy is also goitrogenic, meaning it blocks iodine uptake. And we know we need iodine, healthy iodine levels for good thyroid function. I mean, we don't want to go. So, you know, hyper on the th- on the iodine because that can drive potential Hashimoto's, but we don't want to be blocking it with foods that would block natural iodine uptake. So we have that negative piece. Also, the trypsin inhibitor piece where it blocks these proteolytic enzymes from helping to break down protein. And if you have digestion issues, you don't want to be taking in more compounds that are going to be causing more digestive issues in the end. Yeah, and people that are avoiding meat, if you're going vegetarian or vegan, you will see these people eating soy protein and soy replacements. So I don't want to make this all about soy, but I did really want to hit that hard on the whole soy piece because it is so common and so many people are eating it and it's just not healthy. So really I broke down like the grass-fed whey, the beef protein, etc. These are good things and these are good nutritional insurance policies. That's the best way I refer to them. I agree. I agree. My next layer up is going to be the whey protein. We want to make sure... Obviously, that's grass-fed because the grass kind of goes in and it helps make higher-quality amino acids because, again, the building blocks are really important. Um, pardon my French, but you can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, right? So you got to have good quality nutrients in there to provide the building blocks. So we got to make sure those building blocks are present so we have the quality. Same thing with whey protein. We want to make sure it's grass-fed. We want to make sure it's organic. 
right? We're not feeding it a whole bunch of hormones and antibiotics. That way we have the best chance. Now, the thing with whey is there's a tiny bit of lactose in there, about 1%. There's also a tiny bit of casein, maybe less than 1%. So I typically don't recommend it to my autoimmune patients off the bat. Once, they're, once their autoimmune condition is stabilized and their symptoms are more stabilized, then we'll add some whey and or I'll recommend some whey because whey is great for sulfur amino acids, very high in NAC, very high in a lot of these glutathione precursors, methionine, cysteine, really, really good for glutathione. So I'd love it. Plus, I'm biased. Whey definitely blends up the best. It tastes the best out of all the proteins out there. I love it. So I recommend, I use whey and beef and I'll use pea and I typically use collagen as a foundation to all of my shakes. We'll talk about that in a minute. I love it because they can, you can mix it in and it just makes the amino acid profile better for the, for the ligaments and for the gut. So I recommend whey for all my patients that are non-autoimmune or more stabilized and healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, do you consider whey dairy or not really because there is such a minimal amount of lactose available? I mean, again, for my autoimmune patients, I would, but for the most part, you know, you don't have the casein in there, very, very small amount. You don't have the lactose in there if you do a very small amount, right? We're talking 1% less. So those are the two detrimental components of dairy is the lactose and the casein. So if you pull that out, you got this great product called whey, which is awesome um, for the, all the amino acids and great glutathione. So I like it. I wouldn't necessarily consider it whey if you're, if you were, um, on the healthier side, typically people can tolerate it. Yeah, and it's not a deal breaker if it's not certified organic. You and I both use professional healthcare companies where they're proving and making sure that there's no chemicals, there's no pesticides or anything sprayed on the pastures. So you really just have to look into the details of the product that you want. Just because they didn't pay the big bucks to get the USDA certification, it's better if you can find that. But if you don't have it, it's it's not a deal breaker if you can verify that it, it's the stuff hasn't been sprayed because I assume there could be some potential way companies out there that market as grass fed but still could be chemical, chemical no way spray. yeah way <laughs> i love it but yeah a couple of brands i know i think you formulated your own i have my own called true way and we were able to source argentinian uh grass-fed way you know high quality without all the, the hormones and antibiotics in there and that's the one that i use for myself and my patients yep and then Which one do you like well i like so i like the collagen that's what I was going to – I want you to talk about your collagen because you actually went through some, some – a lot of work, more work than people recognize behind the scenes for the collagen. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so the difference is when we come up with products, we're looking at, all right, what's the best thing that we're, we're going to take ourselves and our family, number one? And then we're also thinking, and what can we also give that's going to help our patients heal and get better as fast as possible? So we're kind of looking at things from a different spectrum because when we come out with a product, it's got to be something that we want to take. We want to give to our family, and we want our patients to be able to take because we need them to get better. We're not selling them a product, and then that's it. See you later. Yep. We need to make sure there's a clinical outcome behind it because we're sitting there and following up, and you got to look in that patient's eyes knowing that you're giving them the best because you want the best results out of it. So one of the collagens we formulated was we got it from, I think, Argentina, or Argentina I should say. It's Argentinian uh, grass-fed meat sourced, and then we were able to source it from that. It was enzymatically processed. The benefit from that is you take collagen, which is typically gelatin, and you're breaking it down to these collagen peptides. You're hydrolyzing it with various water processing and blending processing. That makes it uh, broken down so your body can absorb it at the highest level. So when you have a compromised gut, 
you can take it into your bloodstream and use it. And typically with collagen, you can put it with any of your proteins. So I'll either mix it in with my pea or my beef or my whey. For my autoimmune patients, we'll use the pea typically, and we'll mix it in. And the collagen provides a high amount of glycine, which is great for the gut lining and also a high amount for detoxification. And it provides a lot of building blocks, hydroxyproline, proline, hyaluronic acid for the skin and for the integrity of the joints, the tissue, the gut lining, the nails, the bones as well. Talk about, you don't, I guess we don't have to say names, but there are companies out there that will sacrifice quality of their supplements because they aren't working with people. So it's just like, here's your supplement. Thank you. Have a nice day. And, and this is being done in our little tight knit community. Yeah, I, I won't put you know specifics up, but there, but there are some collagen products that are coming from Tyson Chickens. They buy them from the major, you know, the big Tyson Chicken Company out there, and they use their cartilage to make the the collagen. And again, again, you know Tyson, right? Your factory farmed antibiotic hormone type of you know CAFO operation going there, and that kind of passes into the amino acids in the protein. So we make sure that we you know, source the highest quality stuff because we got to heal the leaky gut. We got to provide the healing nutrients to get a really optimal clinical outcome. Yeah. So just a, a note here, if a sales page looks good or if a company is just 90% marketing and then here's a handful of products that exist to go along with that marketing, it's not to say it's a bad product. You all know I've worked for several supplement companies behind the scenes. And so I can tell you this, that you have to really pay attention to the quality and you really have to look at their sources. Maybe you and I are on the far end of the spectrum, but I want to be at the top 1% of health. And you and I both want our patients to be at the top 1% of health. And I don't want anybody to settle for less. So maybe the price point will be a little bit higher. But if you can ensure that you are getting the best, then I can sleep at night knowing that. Absolutely. I'm the same way. I want to make sure we get good clinical outcomes. So the collagen can be mixed in with the whey. It can be mixed in with the pea. So on that next route, we have our autoimmune patients, and we'll use some of the pea proteins that are unsweetened, unflavored, because even some stevia and xylitol may cause problems. So pea can be great. Sometimes it causes bloating in people that may have some FODMAP issues. So pea is a pretty good generic one that we add in and we'll mix the collagen. Sometimes collagen is just great as a standalone if people are really, really hypoallergenic because it's hydrolyzed. It's broken down. It's easy to process. So we have the, the whey, which is great if you don't have an autoimmune condition or you're feeling better. Number two we have is the beef. I didn't mention the beef. Beef comes from the actual beef tissue, so it's not quite the collagen type. It's a different type of the piece of the cow, which is great, and that comes from a trademark called Hydro Beef, and we use that in our clinic as well. It's called True Paleo. That's a great one. It's got flavor to it. This morning I did the collagen and the beef, and I like the chocolate and the vanilla, and we'll go back and forth on those. That's nice. It's got a little bit of stevia in there, so we'll try to avoid that in patients that have gut issues off the bat, and we'll go to the pea or we'll go just to the pea and collagen, or just the collagen by itself. Pea is still good. It still has a decent sulfur amino acid profile. It's not something we get exposed to frequently in our diet, so we tend to be able to handle it. And people think, well, isn't pea a legume? Yes, but the carbohydrate portion of that pea is removed, so you're only getting the protein portion. So a lot of the potential gut irritating compounds in the various lectins tend to be removed in that carbohydrate portion. Yeah, let's talk about hemp too. I've tried hemp protein. I think it's cross-reactive for me. It's in that category of cross-reactive foods for gluten. I think my body believes that it's 
that, that it's gluten because it generally tears my stomach up if I do it. So I've had hemp protein bars. I actually had a company that they sent me a box of protein bars. They were hemp-based bars, and it destroyed my gut. Same thing with hemp protein. So for some people, maybe you can do it. There is some good amino acid profile in hemp, and I'm a huge proponent of hemp, all the great things it can do for the environment, the world, textiles, cars, et cetera. Yes. However, for me, it just it doesn't work as a as a food source, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you gotta always just test it out and see what works for you. That's the biggest thing. With hemp, I've tried it a little bit. Um, it's okay. I mean, I just do better with other ones, and I like how I feel with other ones. I don't feel, I don't get those negative reactions that you get, so to speak. But I just feel a little bit better on the other ones. Yeah, and there's some good organic, low low priced hemp proteins out there available. I can think of Sun Warrior. Sun Warrior makes one that's pretty decent as well. I, th I think there's one, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's one called Manitoba out there that had, or maybe it was Nutiva that had it, and they oh, had yeah, a relatively, relatively low-priced organic hemp. So try it out, experiment. That's what this is all about. So let's kind of go back and recap. My number one, like let's say you're not sick, you're, you're pretty good, you're pretty healthy, high-quality grass-fed whey protein is great. A number two is a high-quality beef protein that's coming from more of the, the muscle meat portion of the, the beef. So good quality grass-fed beef. Next for me is going to be a pea protein. I use that more for my autoimmune patients, especially unflavored. And then we have collagen. Collagen is like the foundational piece because it can be combined with all of these proteins. That's the beauty of it. You can even use it in your coffee in the morning. So I like it for the benefits, like I mentioned, bone, skin, hair, nails, and gut lining. I just did a video on collagen today, so look for that for a more in-depth review on that. So you kind of have our hierarchy of whey, beef, and pea, and then collagen's kind of like your switch hitter. It can come in there, or your pinch hitter. It can kind of come in there and do its job and help support and provide extra amino acid uh, support to fill in the gaps with that. Nice. Well said. And then I'll finish out just by saying if you have issues with your hair, skin, nails, and you think there is something going on, that it is important to always work back to that root cause. This is sort of the supplement, if you will, to treat the issues of amino acid insufficiency. But as long as you're working backward to figure out why is that happening in the first place, is it stress? Is it because you're scrolling on Facebook while you're eating your meal at the same time? Is it because you're stressed out, you're arguing over the dinner table? Is it because you're just not even chewing your food well? Is it because you have low stomach acid? You may have H. pylori. Is it because you have infections? Figure all that stuff out, and then you can continue to use this stuff when you're healthy, but just making sure that you're not just, I don't even know, what's the analogy there, Justin? Like, just you're just filling something in just because, but you're not even, you're just treating the symptom, I guess, is right, what I'm trying exactly. to say. Right, exactly. Yep, yep, you're just treating the symptoms. And just to kind of add one more layer on top of that, some people, they've made these changes, they're switching to a paleo template or an AIP template, and they're a little overwhelmed, right? They're making all these changes. They're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Sometimes a really good shake can help just mix things up. And it's also easy. So people that are stressed in the morning that haven't quite got enough time in their schedule in the morning because of their commute or because of whatever is going on in their life, a good shake can be great because it's already broken down. It's easy to absorb. So that stress won't affect the digestion as much. But it's also simple, easy, and different. You can throw in some coconut milk, maybe a handful of low glycemic berries, um, if you can do an egg in there or a scoop of almond butter, if not, that's fine. Throw in a scoop of collagen or a scoop of pea or whey protein. Then you got a really good, nice, full, you know, amino acid, full fat drink that you can consume pretty fast and it's easy to digest. Yep. I wanted to get your take on this. So one of my friends, 
and you know Nora as well, Nora yeah. Gagoutis, yep. she she posted something on Twitter, and she said a fruit smoothie is the virtual equivalent of freebasing fructose, which is a rapid and pronounced way to cause glycation damage. Now, if that were like pineapple, mangoes, et cetera, really high-sugar fruits, I would agree. And if it were juiced, like a juiced fruit smoothie, I would agree, where it's just straight juice and no fiber. But if it's blueberries, I really don't think that that saying would really ap- apply because typically that's you're going to have all the fiber attached. What, what are your what's your take? Yeah, I'm on the same benefit and the same kind of you know mindset as you. There, you're going to have all the modified citrus pectin, the MCP still intact. You're not juicing it. Number one, right? So you, the fiber is still intact. Number two, you're not um, using the higher tropical fruits. Yeah, and so I, I do try to blend stuff relatively quickly too because I know there is likely some damage done the more and longer and higher speed you blend stuff. So if I leave mine a little bit chunky and there's some blueberry chunks in there, I enjoy that. And maybe it's just placebo, but I would suggest that may preserve some of the benefits. Absolutely. Oh, and there's one last piece I forgot to mention. And we do this a lot with the organic acid people, but some people that have really bad autoimmune or leaky gut stuff or malabsorption will even use something called free form amino acids. I forgot to mention this. You get a lot of that in the collagen too, but with the free forms, we'll use it in a pill form. It's basically amino acids that are already broken down, basically ready to go in your bloodstream. There's virtually no breakdown. So when you, like I mentioned, you eat beef, right? That's the pearl necklace that gets broken down to the individual pearls. But then even that, there's a little bit more work the body has to do even if you take a pea or a beef or a whey protein. But when you do a free form amino, it's basically ready to go. So people that have severe digestive issues or severe malabsorption, let's say we see low bun or low creatinine or abnormal globulin or albumin on their blood work, will give them some extra free form amino acids in capsule form to make it really easy on their digestive system. Yep. So that's kind of the hierarchy. Yeah. Any comments on that? No, I did in a video. That's actually one of the most popular videos I did was on amino acids. I love them. And if people haven't, they could pick up Julia Ross's book, The Mood Cure, or the newer one, The Diet Cure. And those are awesome. That If you want further reading on aminos, that could be a great place to start. Oh, yeah. And don't get fooled by the new ploy of a lot of the um, food companies. They're using aspartame now, and it's now relabeled as amino sweet. So if we're talking about all these amino acids here, and you're getting all amino jazz like we are, don't fall for the prey of amino sweet. That is aspartame. I thought they just renamed it to Neotame. Now they even changed it from Neotame, or I wonder if they're using both of those names. Because kind of like both, I bet they are. Because like MSG, you'll see like the hydrolyzed soy protein, and like there's like 50 names for MSG at this point. Oh, yeah, same with Splenda. You have Splenda, but then you also have sucralose, which sounds like sucrose, which is actual sugar. That's table sugar, right? So they're they're kind of really shady when it comes to how they're naming things. They're really trying to deceive you. Yep. So become an avid ingredient reader. I'm sure you are. This is old news, but you're doing great. Thanks All for right. listening. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. If you want to uh, support the show, feel free and check out Evan's store or my store. We uh, have formulated our own amino acid compounds and products to help our patients get better. And if you want to take advantage of them too, feel free and click below the link. And also, sharing is caring. So give us a five-star review or whatever you think we deserve, and we appreciate you uh, listening. Thank you. Y- yes, we do. Take care. Take care, Evan. Bye. Bye. All right, I hope you had as much fun as we did on this episode about protein powders and amino acids. You can check out my store, 
not just paleo.com. You go to the store. I have a grass-fed whey vanilla and also a grass-fed chocolate whey protein. They're both delicious. I drink them several times per week, and I add some extra collagen and some other nutrients, some cinnamon to it. It's wonderful. You can check that out at the store. Also, you can schedule that 15-minute free call with myself. Let's chat about your health symptoms, your health goals. I know I say it every week, but you need something to make you pull that trigger. Don't wait until you hit rock bottom. I just did a talk last night at a friend of mine uh, at her house, and she had a group of women over who are struggling with their health, and I did a talk there, and we had a great dinner together. And many of these women, they are so ridden with symptoms that now they're ready. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad to see people that have waited so long. And you can't blame them because these answers, this whole functional medicine model that I talk about and that I implement in my clinic, it's something that you're not going to hear about on the mainstream news. So it's not your fault if it took you 40 years to find this information. Now you found it. Take action. Get yourself tested. Get checked out. Roll things in. Roll things out. And work your way towards optimal health. That's the goal of this entire show, my entire clinic. Like I said, schedule that 15-minute free call with myself. See if we're a good fit for each other. You could do that back at the website, not just paleo.com. Take good care, and I look forward to talking with you next week with another episode. Bye-bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss a girl good night, let me please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible blues. Why I'm in the tire, got to watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that 